Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Sandy Stewart, and I serve as a shepherding deacon and a co-chair of the Greeters Ministry. This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. May the strength of God pilot us. May the power of God preserve us. May the wisdom of God instruct us. May the hand of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the shield of God defend us. May the host of God guard us against the snares of evil and the temptation of the world. May Christ be with us, Christ before us, Christ in us, Christ over us. May your salvation, O Lord, be always ours this day and forevermore. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? This morning we celebrate World Communion Sunday. Since 1934, the worldwide Christian church has chosen the first Sunday of October to celebrate the Lord's Supper and communion with worshiping communities across the globe. As a part of our celebration this morning, our very own church members donning international garb will parade through our sanctuary as we sing our first hymn, and rejoice in our global oneness in Christ. Hear the words of Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. For let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Let us worship God.
Jesus is looking for people who are all in. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. We want to be people who do that, but we often fail. So let us keep short accounts with our Heavenly Father who waits for us with open arms and receives us with grace and mercy. Let us confess now together. O oh God, we have not been faithful to your commands. We have been more ready to condemn than to console, more eager to justify ourselves than to work for understanding. We feed the flames of dissent instead of welcoming the freeing power of forgiveness. We gather as two or three, not to welcome your presence, but to gossip about those who are absent. Our sins are destroying us, God. Turn us around to a new way of being. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God is slow to anger and full of compassion. He forgives all who humbly repent and trust in his Son as Savior and Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. now let us boldly state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now in the love of Christ, let us greet our neighbors.
Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning. We are so glad you're with us today. It's so good to have Sarasota Young Voices with us this morning. Grateful for Betsy Trebas here as our guest musician. We're thankful to have all of our international garb as we come to celebrate together World Communion Sunday. It's a big day in the life of the church. It reminds us again that we are part of a universal church and people come from many lands and nations to the same table today to worship our God. The Great Commission has been, is being borne out as Jesus called us to make disciples of all nations. And today we get to celebrate uh, the good news that many nations have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So we are glad that we can be together, fill out the friendship pads which are in the pews and pass those along to your neighbor and perhaps note those folks that you don't know and maybe you'll have a conversation with them after our service today. As a way, another way of celebrating World Communion, we invite you after the service to come underneath the tree. It's a beautiful day, and we have international coffees available for you. We're grateful to uh, have a chance to enjoy a little different flavor of uh, life through uh, the partnership we've had with Aroma Coffee, and Brian Long, who's a member of our church, is uh, providing that coffee for us. So come and sample some things, and it'll give you a chance not just to enjoy a little good coffee, but also to have some further conversation with friends underneath the tree and to see the opportunities of ministry that are available uh, underneath the tree during our fellowship time. So come and join us and uh, have a great time. We are grateful for the opportunity we've had to participate in Hurricane Irma relief. And many of you have uh, been bringing supplies to us over the course of the past week. We are looking forward to delivering those. Uh, this Tuesday, we will be sending them down to Immokalee. Many of you know that the Immokalee community was especially affected by the hurricane and migrant workers have been displaced. And so we're there to provide supplies and resources for them uh, through your generosity. And we are grateful for that. We've been filling up a pod out there in the parking lot. And as I said, we'll be delivering those uh, this coming Tuesday. And we'll be doing that in partnership with Temple Sinai, our uh, neighboring community of uh, faith that we've been worshiping with over the many, many years. And Temple Sinai will be joining us in bringing those supplies uh, to folks who are in great need of them. Also, we received an offering last week of $14,000 for Irma Relief. More has come since then, I'm sure. And you are certainly invited to participate in that if you've not yet had the chance. And we will be delivering that resource as well to differing partners in the Florida area as we seek to respond to uh, the uh, devastation that has been in the wake of uh, Hurricane Irma. We'll give you updates on that as we uh, decide on those partners that we will be sharing those resources with. This is the 500th anniversary this year of the Reformation, and uh, many of you know that already. Some of you, maybe you've heard that for the first time. We are in these pews because of what happened 500 years ago as the church moved into a new season of life, and we're celebrating that by a class that we're offering on Wednesday night, taught by Will and Mingy Brown uh, on the Reformation and uh, sharing with us their most recent trip to Europe and their uh, eyes on um, uh, observance of the important moments and the important places of the Reformation. So come and join us Wednesday evening, 6.30, over in the chapel, and they'll be glad to share with you uh, all of what they have learned. Uh, also today, we invite you to come to the Gospel of John class, which is a great class taught by Del Valrath, uh, again over in the chapel, and you'll have a chance to open up that great gospel and learn about what Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is and, and how he touches each of our lives. 
We invite you to come to our new members class next week. We have a new members class that's available for you. If you've not yet joined our church, we'd love to have you come and learn about our uh, our life together here at Church of the Palms and our common mission of loving God and loving neighbor. And on your way out the door, there'll be a Connect magazine put into your hands. So take one of those with you and study about the life of our church and what's been happening and what will be happening uh, over the course of the next month or so. And a special shout out to our choir who have been displaced over the last couple of weeks. We've had to do a little work in the music building. So they've been, they've been sojourners. They've been moving from building to building and parts of the campus. So many, many thanks to you. Give them a round of applause. Let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Let us pray. 
Gracious God, we thank you for the generosity of this congregation and for all your children around the world who offer their gifts to you as a sign of love. Bless and multiply this offering so that it can be used to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, provide shelter to the homeless, and comfort to the sick and dying here and across the globe. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may all be seated, and I would like to invite the children to come forward with Miss Carol for a children's moment. Well done, you still got it. A big globe, right. Yeah, from all over. Okay, so I did, I did bring the globe. I thought this was really cool. And um, Ben, you can hold it. Do you guys think you could figure out where we live on the globe? Any one of you? I bet in Florida, yep, somewhere on here. I like to, I like to watch when it spins because it helps. It, it sort of reminds me of all the people that God has in His hands. Remember that song? He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got the whole wide world in His hands. That song is sing with the kids in chapel. <laughs> um, but. Do you know that we're starting our creation segment upstairs in kids' worship, and everyone, it's kind of cool because this is World Communion, and everybody in this whole world is celebrating with communion all over the world together. Yeah, we always live in Florida. We do always live in Florida. It's pretty cool here. So when it spins, do you know that this earth has been spinning since the beginning of time? Do you know that? The beginning of everything. And the very first words of the Bible, the very first, very first words in your Bible say, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. This is the earth. Then it goes on to tell the story of creation. And the first thing that God created was light. He said, let there be light, because it was all dark. And there was light. And then God thought, hmm, I need to be, there needs to be a space that separates the waters from the heaven and the waters from the earth. See all the water on the earth? Yeah. So God made the space between that separates between, and he called it sky. Next, God brought the waters together to make the seas and the oceans. Between them, he created land, and then he covered the dry land with trees and bushes and flowers and grass. God paused and looked at it. He looked at all the trees and bushes and said, that's good. I like it. Then he created, then he created the sun and the moon and the stars, and they were beautiful. And he said, that's good. Then God created the birds and the fish in the ocean. He blessed them and told them to make... Oh my gosh. God created them. <laughs> and he told the birds and the fish and all the animals to multiply and, and make more, right? And then God looked and smiled upon them, and he said, that's good. Finally, God made the animals. He made the tall giraffes and the fuzzy little squirrels and cute little kittens and ferocious lions and all the animals. And then God made man. And he made women, and he made them in his image. And he put them in charge of all that he created. 
He put us all in charge of all of it. It's pretty cool. The fish in the sea and the birds of the air and every living creature, he put us to be in charge of it all. And then when God had finished it all and looked at all that he had created, he said, that is very, very good. So, guys, anytime you're outside or at home or on the beach or whatever, I want you guys to notice all of the big stuff and all of the little stuff. When we go outside, we see big trees right down to the sand that falls between our toes when we go to the beach. God created it all for us for everyone in the whole world, everyone today all around that globe who are worshiping God and having communion together at World Communion. Let's say a prayer. Dear Father, thank you for all that you have created for us and all in creation. It's so beautiful. Help us to enjoy it, to give thanks, and to take care of all that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. You want to carry that for me? You want to carry it? Great, thanks. Yeah, that's from Florida from a <laughs> Evidently, we needed a flag of the state of Florida up here. <laughs> we'll have to remember that next, next year. <laughs> and you guys can move. Good job. That, well done. Let's see if we can get these people to move, you know, after. <laughs> that, was, that was wonderful. Thank you so very much. So we are uh, continuing our journey through the great story of God. And we're kind of doing this journey from Genesis all the way through to the end of the Bible and following sort of this wonderful uh, narrative of grace that uh, we have in the Bible. And we find ourselves today um, back in a story that we looked at actually a few weeks ago and that is the call of Moses. Many of you are, are familiar with that person, that name, Moses, who is one of the early prophets of the people of Israel. And Moses receives a call at the burning bush, which is what we looked at a few weeks ago. But now this is a story of that ongoing conversation that Moses has with God, uh, wondering whether or not uh, Moses thinks he's the guy. He's not too sure that he's the guy for the job. So to that end, let's hear this story from Exodus chapter 4, beginning at the 10th verse. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor even now, that you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, <clears throat> Who gives speech to mortals? Who makes them mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to speak. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, what of your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he can speak fluently. Even now he's coming out to meet you. When he sees you, his heart will be glad, and you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and he will teach you what you shall do. He indeed shall speak for you to the people. He, will, he shall serve as a mouth for you, and you shall serve as God for him. Take in your hand the staff with which you shall perform the signs." 
Our second lesson is from the gospel of the prophet Isaiah, the sixth chapter, beginning at the first verse. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongues. And the seraph touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. And he said, go. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Who are we, Lord? Who are we that we should receive your call? Allow these words to sensitize us to your voice and to wonder what your voice is calling us to do for we ask this in Christ's name amen it was some 24 centuries ago almost five centuries before the birth of Jesus that the Athenian army and the Persian army met to do battle Persia, with its massive military force, was set to invade Greece, whose armies paled in comparison. The world knew that the Athenians didn't stand a chance against the Persian juggernaut. And yet, instead of surrendering, the Athenians mustered their forces and met the Persians head-on. They went to battle on the plain of Marathon, and in a single afternoon, the Athenian army did what no one in the world expected them to do. They defeated the invading Persians. They repulsed them, sent them into retreat. An incredible victory. Now, as legend goes, the general of the Athenian army commissioned a soldier named Pheidippides to run back to Athens to tell them the incredible news. The message he was to deliver was a one-word message, victory, victory. That's all he needed to say. Now, the distance from Marathon to Athens was around 25 miles, so entrusted with this one-word message, Pheidippides ran. He ran the entire 25 miles to bring news of the victory, and as the story goes, when Pheidippides arrived in Athens, after running 25 miles, he stood and shouted his one-word message, victory, and then collapsed and died. Well, hardly a weekend goes by in this country where there is not somewhere in this land a group of thin-bodied, half-crazy people 
gathering at a starting line, waiting to hear the sound of the gun that releases them to begin a race that has been named in the honor of the legend of Pheidippides. The run from marathon. Count on it. Someone right now is running a marathon, 26 miles and 385 yards. I don't know where that extra mile and 385 yards came from, but that's what they run. 25,000 people alone run the New York City Marathon. Now, those, of, those who choose to run a marathon are there for lots of different reasons. Some are there to actually win the race. Crazy people. Some are there to finish the race. That's more like it. And some are there to simply survive the race. But you can pretty much count on the fact that in the modern marathon, no one is there with a word to say. That is not the pop purpose of a modern marathon. The purpose of the modern marathon is to run for the sake of running to run, but without any message to deliver. Now, I, was, I suppose it would be safe to say that your life and mine can sometimes be compared to an exhausting race of a marathon. Most of our days, we run from here to there, from there to here, and at the end of it all, at the end of the day, we kind of fall exhausted into our beds, thinking back and tracing our steps and wondering, how is it that I did so much in so little time? And you link a bunch of those days together and stretch them over a lifetime. And the truth is, you and I are not just running a marathon. We are sprinting a marathon. And that's how it feels sometimes. But the question at the end of it all is, as we run and run and run, do we have anything to say? Do we have a message to deliver? As we stand there at the end of the day, panting and exhausted, do we have, do we have the word? Now the word of the 21st century appears to be busy. That's what I hear used most often when people describe their life, I'm busy. And that sort of describes our life. And so the exchange kind of goes something like this. Say, how, how you doing? Oh, I'm busy. And then, well, what have you been up to? Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> busy, nothing, busy doing nothing. It explains then the conversations that I have with people when they come in and talk to me about, I've got this calendar just chock full. I feel like I'm running from one end to the other, but I don't know what it's for. Sometimes I feel like I'm one of those gerbils on a wheel, running, 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 running. But what for? Have you heard yourself say that? So many are running, but with little to say. But as soon as I say that, I know that's not true. Oh, it's true that we're running. It's true that we may not be saying much, but it's not that we don't have anything to say, right? Heaven's sake, we gather here on a Sunday morning and we sing our songs and we pray our prayers and we recite our faith and we preach our gospel. We do so much. We say so much on a Sunday morning, but then we hit that pavement and we start running and all of a sudden we get tongue-tied. We get to Athens. We get to Athens and we, we can't get the word out. Like the old joke, you've heard it before, what do you get when you cross a Jehovah's Witness with a Presbyterian? 
You get a guy on your doorstep who doesn't know what to say. <laughs> so Moses has this little marathon, right? Settled into the wilderness home of his liking in Sinai. He has managed to escape Egypt. But Moses all of a sudden gets the call to go back to Egypt to set his marathon toward Egypt and to deliver the Israelites from their cruel bondage to slavery. God says to Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. That's your word, let my people go. Moses has got his marathon, he's got his word, but then he tells God, I'm a little tongue-tied. I don't speak very well. I can't quite get the words out the way I want to. And with this handicap, he's hoping beyond hope that God will let him off the hook. Let, let, let somebody else say what needs to be said, O oh Lord, because, because I don't have what it takes. And to that, God says, baloney. To Moses, he says, baloney. I hate it when God says baloney. Has God ever said baloney to you? God is saying baloney to me all the time. All those times when I have some sort of excuse as to why I should not be the one to do the right thing, why I should not be the one to say the right thing, why I should not be the one to be the right person. Oh, oh Lord, I, I, I don't have what it takes. It, it, it makes me feel uncomfortable. And God says, baloney, McConnell. I hate it when he says baloney. Because you know, when God says baloney, what it means is, is that I have to then find a way to do some soul searching, to do some soul digging, to come up with a way to do what needs to be done, to say what needs to be said, to be the person I need to be. That's the great adventure of life, right? When, when God does not let us off the hook and instead pushes us in the midst of our marathon to do the work of saying what needs to be said. Some of you have seen the movie, The King's Speech, which captures the difficult times of King George VI of England, who had the throne thrust upon him through the abdication of his brother. King George never wanted the throne due in no small part to the fact that he could not speak well. He was a terrible stutterer. How can you be a king of an empire and not speak the way you wish? And so when Hitler invaded Poland and the British felt no choice but to declare war, it was left to the stuttering king to speak to his empire, to his subjects. And history would not let him off the hook. A word needed to be said. And King George put himself before the microphones and said what needed to be said. It is to this high purpose that I now call my people at home and my peoples across the seas who will make our cause their own. I ask them to stand calm and firm and united in this time of trial. The task will be hard. There may be dark days ahead and war can no longer be confined to the battlefield, but we can only do the right as we see the right and reverently commit our cause to God. Sometimes, most of the time, it's not how you say it, it's whether you say it 
It is one of the easiest human endeavors, I suspect, to come up with all the reasons why we should not be the one to say what needs to be said. When Isaiah has his vision of the Lord in the temple high up on his throne, he speaks the truth when he confesses to his unclean lips, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the land of a people of unclean lips. No truer words have been said, and the truth is we all can say them. None of us is qualified to speak the word, but God touches the lips of Isaiah with a burning coals of his grace and now Isaiah can say here am I send me that's the great adventure of the spiritual life when you and I give ourselves the chance to see not all of what might disqualify us from being messengers of the good news but to go deeper and to hear God's baloney into our hearts and find the grace the unmerited grace to speak the good news and that's right that's what we have right the good news we are the people of the good news not the bad news the good news God loving the world in Christ God God giving himself to the world in Christ God sacrificing himself to the world in Christ God God accepting all the children of the world as his children, that at this table we are, the world is accepted by God. The world finds its true communion with God. Imagine the people of your lives who could use to know that they have been accepted by the unconditional love of God. Imagine all the people in your life who have heard that maybe they aren't accepted or maybe they're not good enough or they're not welcome or that they are too far from God or they don't have the right purpose for their lives and they all that negative speak of the world and then imagine through your grace-touched lips those same people hearing, hey, I go to a place on Sunday morning where I get reminded that I'm loved by a gracious God. I, I get to go to a place where I'm challenged to live a life of purpose. I get to go to a place where my sins are forgiven and I'm free from all the negativity of the world. I get to go to a place where I hear that word over and over again, victory. We underestimate ourselves, don't we? We underestimate the power of the word. We underestimate the hunger the world has for some good news. This sad, old, conflicted world needs some <laughs> good news. Several years ago in Pittsburgh, there was a prolonged steel strike. Management union miles apart in the demands and it looked like the industry would remain at a standstill for months. A steel worker named Dave Griffith, just couldn't take it anymore. So he left his place on the floor of the factory and felt like it was God telling him that he needed to say something about this. So Dave, unannounced, uninvited, stormed into the negotiating room of labor and union and, went and pled for the two sides to reconcile their differences for the sake of the people of Western Pennsylvania. And shortly after that, the strike was settled. Perhaps because not only that this man had great courage to leave the factory floor and to walk into that boardroom, but maybe more so because that same man, Dave Griffith, was a severe stutterer, mortified to speak in front of people. Oh, maybe because it was him who had heard God's baloney and found a way to say what needed to be said. And maybe that was true for Mary. 
You remember old Mary, good old Mary, Mary Magdalene, sinner, evil, possessed, first century woman who had no place in society, who, whose job it was to remain silent. Oh, you remember Mary with all those excuses for why she should keep her mouth shut. Good old Mary who, who showed up at the great battle between good and evil 20 centuries ago up there on that mountain called Calvary. She showed up to see that battle between good and evil and when they rolled the stone away and she saw that death had been conquered by life, off she went with her message that, that maybe no one was going to listen to, maybe nobody would believe. This message that, that she knew that she might not even say right, but off she went on her own little marathon across the miles and the centuries and at the end of the marathon she stands before the disciples and she says I have seen the Lord and those of us who hear her know what she's saying she's saying victory 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 we have the word victory we have seen the Lord no more prisoners no more shame no more condemnation no more east no more west no more north no more south all invited to the table all accepted here all have a place at the table that's the good news and the only thing left the only thing left is for us to say it Yes, friends, in this weary world where we find it really easy to note and detect 
and amplify our differences where we are so eager to find who we are against as opposed to who we are for. We are invited by our gracious God to come to this table, to set all that aside, and to know that wherever we be, wherever we're from or wherever we're going, and whatever sort of lies inside here, we are all invited freely to come to this table to find here the gracious and unconditional love of God in Jesus Christ, the God who loves us, who sacrifices himself for us so that we can know that nothing, nothing separates us from the love of God, nothing. No opinion, no life, no country, Nothing separates us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So hear this invitation to you and to those you know and to the world that all are invited to come to this table and receive here the gifts of grace, to receive here the food of forgiveness, and to know that we are all a part of God's world. We all are God's children. Hear the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread and after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again and he will come again. Let us pray. Oh, how thankful we are, oh Lord, that we don't need a resume for this table. We don't need a nationality. We don't need a skin color. We just need to hear your invitation. We thank you that somewhere along the way, someone had the courage to speak the word to us. And as we receive these gifts, we pray that we would receive your spirit who will empower us to speak the word to somebody else. May your Holy Spirit draw us together in communion with your Son, Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. After supper, Jesus took the cup.
beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the worthy sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. With those around the world, we thank you, Lord, for your presence in this meal. And we remember that we are still one body in you, even though we have different languages, cultures, and traditions, different ways of worship, praying, and praising. We are one body, but we are not the same. It is through the gift of diversity that we are able to be your body. We thank you and praise you for calling us to be your children, May this meal nourish and strengthen us to love you and to love our neighbors. In Christ's name, amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.